I was muted, but we got it. Welcome to uh, episode six of Abject Demiurge podcast. Um, we today are going to talk to Michael. Uh, there is a long parenthetical after that, which is fantastic because I want to know all the things. Um, so we're gonna. I'm gonna try to waste less time than I normally do and just run this intro thing. My Link trees up there. Um, I've been trying to use the Substack more, so if you find anything of value here, um, you can either go there or just you know subscribe to the channels and whatnot. Um, yeah, so I'm just gonna go ahead and do the intro, and we'll get started. the intro on loops okay all right we got it <laughs> okay uh okay so michael so i i crammed it all down there in your little thing uh coffee roaster singer songwriter craft rum and botanical distiller i like it yes so let's uh let's start let's start there talk about what you do with those things and then i'll we'll go from there well, uh, see, it was about eight or so years ago, uh, me and my wife decided to start a coffee shop. And with that came uh, me deciding to learn how to roast my own coffee. I wanted to have more of a hands-on you know, approach to what we were doing. So that started the coffee roasting. Uh, since then, we've grown the business quite a bit to... Uh, have a full-size two-story coffee shop with a roastery built in. We're doing commercial. We're doing, you know, just the cafe. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, the singer-songwriter thing, that's come from, I mean, I've always been a musician. Always, you know, been singing and writing and just enjoying that. Uh, went through a period of time where I was a performer and I did a lot of, I did a lot of shows, but then that's kind of dwindled down now and I'm just really enjoying just playing and writing and singing and not having to put deadlines on myself or having to, you know, cram yeah. gigs into a weekend. Yeah. And then the craft room botanical distiller, that is the latest business venture. Uh, but I've been doing that for close to 15 years now. Uh, yeah. And we just decided recently to go legal with it. And so I started with the craft rum. That was what I've always distilled, all what I've always played with. But then due to my wife's love for gin, I started getting a little bit into that. And yeah. then I discovered a whole new world of just awesome fun of just messing with botanicals and That's cool. Yeah. Just being able to create all all these awesome flavors. That's cool. Yeah. So uh if I if so let's say um Let's say that time was not an issue, money were not an issue. Let's say like you could spend your days doing 
anything that you wanted, any any creative venture? Would it be a combination of those three things? Would it be one of those things? What is the most natural to you? Actually, none of those. None of the yeah. none of those. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would actually, if money and time were no issue, uh, it definitely would be um, baking bread. Baking bread. Baking bread. So baker too. Uh, this, Man. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, wow. you know, we joke around. We call me the rustic hipster. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm not, people, people hear what I do. They, you know, I talk to people on the phone or whatever, and they're like, oh, this guy's such a hipster. And then they see me and they're like, well, this is not what we expected. Yeah. I don't fit into the normal hipster look. Yeah. Uh, but we joke around because, you know, I'm the rustic hipster only because we live in a city. If I was yeah. out in the country, they'd call me a homesteader. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I get it. I get it being in in Texas. I get it. Um, you know, yeah, all, so all I have thing, to do is all I have to do is wear a hat in Texas, and they're like hipster. You know, yeah. the bread thing has always been. That's always just kind of been my Zen thing. That's why I've never yeah. turned it into a job. Is because I love yep. it too much, and once you turn it into a job, it no longer be. It's no longer that relaxing. You know, it becomes work in the dough. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay, so maybe we'll include that a little bit in here then. Um, so out of, let's see, let me make sure I'm not skipping the things that I mean to talk about. Um, so any, what specific experiences have um, inspired those in your life? Um, any of them, all of them? Um, uh, I mean, the singer-songwriter thing, that's just inspiration comes from everything yeah uh when i was doing a lot more gigging out and i was writing a lot more um it kind of leaned towards i was writing a lot about drinking and partying because that was what current life was yeah and you know you always felt like you were kind of on a deadline to get another song because we've got a gig coming up and it'd be nice to introduce another song well the only things we're really experiencing right now are drinking and playing music Yes. So that's what I would write about. Yep. Uh, nowadays, you know, the songs are fewer and far between, but when they do come out, it's, you know, the last thing I wrote was uh, was actually about my daughter. Yeah. And just watching her, you know, take things slow and make me take things slow because she's, you know, we're out on a walk. She wants to stop and look at the flowers. She wants to look at the, the grass, you know, yep. something that's completely uninteresting to me on a normal day. Then all of a sudden having this, you know, four-year-old inquisitive mind that just wants to check out the grass, it makes you stop and check out the yeah. grass. Yep. So then it's like, naturally, there's a song in there. Yeah. Uh, the coffee roasting, it sounds corny and cheeseball, but my customers inspire me with that. Like, I yeah. love getting the feedback from our customers and from, you know, they were, or, you know, somebody comes back to town from a vacation. They're like, oh, so I went and I visited this place and they had this coffee and it tasted like this and it was amazing. And it yeah. makes me want to make their next, the next story they go to tell somebody else. Yeah. Like, oh, so I was down at French Creek Coffee and Tea Company and yeah. I had their Peru single origin and it was, it was really good, you know. And then uh, the distilling. Um, I don't really know what is the inspiration there other than just experimentation experimentation and just yeah. loving loving that you know a simple change like switching from green pod cardamom to black pod cardamom in a gin 
and yeah. all of a sudden you have a gin that's peppery or a gin that's more earthy and you know more subtle yeah and just little tiny changes it's just awesome to play with yeah that that's what this was for me this was experimentation that turned out to be something i assumed that i would probably hate but actually i'm enjoying because i'm not a i'm not a in front of people person ever <laughs> most of the um, time neither am i like yeah. i did it for the music and everything but now it's like i like going off and roasting my coffee and you know yep. i do that in my private and you know the distilling i do that when there's no customers around and i get to be yep. alone and just yep. focused on creation okay so um what what do you consider would be the ultimate goal in any of those do you feel like you've been successful um do you feel like there is a a a, a farther like rung of success that you could meet if so um i mean yeah and i think that's like the curse of any any creative person is mm -hmm. like i could sit there and say you know i've hit the the pinnacle of where i wanted to be yeah. two years ago i'm there but now there's more i want to do yep and now i've created a new pinnacle in my mind and like there's always that drive that push to just go a little bit further because there's something else yeah or, you know you get you get that positive feedback from the coffee roast and you know that's good but i want more yeah i want more of that positive feedback like i i crave that yeah so i gotta you know go find the next awesome bean and roast it to the perfect level and develop the flavors just right so you know that same customer comes back and tries that and is like oh my god you know yeah uh with the distilling i mean i have goals with that that i haven't met yet um but the the distilling it's kind of when when i turned it into a business now it's a very slow like i have to step back and realize that you know, my goals are now instead of like, hey, being legal would be cool. It's now, you know, once the business has enough money yeah. to spend on this experiment that could completely be a waste of money. Yeah, that's what I want to do. Yeah, this is this is my experiment that could completely be a waste of money. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the nice thing with the distilling is like it used to be I always wanted the next big piece of equipment. Yeah, I wanted that next size still. Where yeah. we're at now, I'm actually very happy, equipment-wise, yeah. which makes my wife happy because that means the business doesn't have to spend any big money on you know yeah. new big you know, shiny stills. But uh, and the music, um, I mean, there yeah, is. I was going to ask: Is that turning more into like a a thing that you do for yourself than it is because you were you were saying earlier about writing you know, for your daughter and stuff. And it, it seems like the way you talk about it, it turns like it's turning more into something that you do for yourself more. It really is. Um, but I think as soon as I started accepting that and embracing that yeah. and being like, okay, it is okay to have this as a hobby to just yeah. do for myself. That's not selfish. That's not squandering, you know, any talent or anything like that. Nope. Like it, it's totally okay to do something yep. for me. But as soon as I got comfortable with that, now all of a sudden, like, some of my friends who we used to, you know, we used to play together. I'd open up for him. He'd open up for me. Now that we're older. Yeah. And he's getting back into doing some gigs. It kind of makes like now all of a sudden I'm like, oh, you know, I think I would like to get back out there. And yeah. Play a little bit. Yeah. Especially because now the music scene around here has changed quite a bit. 
Yeah. To where it was like this, you know, you, you needed to be the next party band. Yeah. You need to get people on the dance floor or you need to get people, you know, to come in. Now, with the coffee shop and the distillery, yeah. and there's a lot of businesses like that opening around us, we're getting more of that just people want that laid back. It's they just not just. Come in. Yeah. Because it's not just all college. The college parties and college no. kids and bars now. Yeah. No. So people. So it's like I actually might want to get back into it and play for people again. That's cool. You know, and just hang out with my music playing friends and do some shows. We just hosted one. It was really cool. Um, never thought I'd get to be a part of it. And here I am, you know, the owner of the business that it's happening in. But yeah. We hold like three three musicians from the area. Who yeah. are all really cool. And they're quite popular in the area because they've been doing it forever. Yeah. And they did almost like a singer-songwriter circle where they just got up on stage and one would play a song and talk about that song. Next one would play a song, talk about that song. And then they would all like play on each other's songs as well. Yeah. And it was just three buddies hanging out, playing music. It's yeah. like, that's, I could get back into that. Yeah. It gave you the bug a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, what, what are the kind of obstacles that get in your way? Um, I know that, uh, Generally, we all have the same answer to this question, but uh, part of the point of this conversation is to m normalize that more because I think that a lot of younger people or people trying to get into some kind of art, um, I, I think that it, it's it's important to give realistic expectations because I, I don't believe that we do that. And I, I think that a lot of people don't understand the things that they're going to have to give up or um, the hurdles that they're going to face, because I think a lot of us grow from those failures and those hurdles. But I think that a lot of people, um, especially when they're starting out on their journey, they tend to hit a roadblock and it, it feels like that, is a no it feels like somebody's telling them no when really it's just something that that is is a teachable moment for yourself so um what are what are uh, obstacles that get in your way with all of your uh different things and um yeah one of the biggest obstacles, and I've always had to deal with this, but I've never really, like, it wasn't until the past few years that I've actually been able to pinpoint and describe it properly. Mm -hmm. um, I have, I, I hyper fixate on things. Yes. And when you have so many different hobbies, it's like, okay, right now I'm hyper fixating on coffee roasting. Yeah. Which means things that I need to get done for the distilling are not happening. And things that I could be doing with the singing and the songwriting are not happening. And it's, you know, one of the biggest obstacles for me is trying to balance that and trying to take a little bit more control over that and use the hyperfixation in a positive way. Um, I mean, Delegating. obviously, time <laughs> yeah. in the day is always a huge obstacle. You know, that, That's mine. Yeah, it's mine, definitely. There's only so many hours in the day and, you know. We have businesses to run. I've got, you know, we've got two kids. Yeah. We've got, you know, a house we just bought that we're, you know, having to do renovations on. Yeah. You know, there's just, there's a lot of that stuff. But I think my biggest hurdle is, is really is just myself 
and being able to delegate things properly, you know, or departmentalize where, yeah. you know, where my fo- where my focus needs to be in that given time. Yeah, I I think life in general is is one of those things that I think we tend to get when when we're dealing with general life stuff. Um, most like for me, um, a day to day nine to five is my big life thing that gets in my way. Um, but I think that as as events occur, I think we tend to look at that as look back on those things and say, well, this happened and I got behind because of this. And I think that those are more normal things to get in people's way than I think a lot of people understand. And if, if we can look at that and say, it's okay. I dealt with that thing. I'm still this person. This is still my thing that I need to do. Then I think that that helps a lot of people say to themselves, it's okay. I got to deal with this thing right now. That doesn't make me any less. Um, so being that that's where we are, um, imposter syndrome, (laughs) that, that is my absolute curse. And I like to talk to other people about it. Even before doing this, I like to hear other people's, you know, what triggers it? How do you get over it? Because I'm trying to get other ideas from other people. Cause I just write it out till I get the itch that is stronger than feeling like an imposter. So, so yeah. Uh, how does that, it, how does it affect you? Does, is it spark? Is it, you know, brought on by something and how do you deal with it? I mean, for me, I mean, so yeah, all three of those things, there's major imposter syndrome involved in all yep. of it. Um, yep. coffee roasting, you know, I'm kind of late to the game. So, you know, there's all these other guys that are out there doing it and they're talking about things that like, you're like, well, you know, I got this bean from this altitude, you know, I I spoke with the farmer and did this, that and the other. And there's me where I'm like, well, I'm just starting out, but you know, I'm working with Royal New York. They're a, they're an importer. I don't really talk to the farmers at all. I don't really do any of that stuff. You know, am I really a coffee roaster? Because I don't know where my Sumatra Mandeling, what altitude it is in, like. Does, does that make me a bad coffee roaster then? Because I'm not yeah. as knowledgeable as them. I mean, the singer-songwriter, it's, I think they're, every singer-songwriter has Writing imposter for me. syndrome. Yeah. And, I mean, that's, yeah, because it's just so many greats came before you, and there's so many greats that are out there right now. Who am I? Yeah. Who yeah. cares as, what my view on a situation is through it? Yeah. As a writer... Um, one of the things I like to do is read and anytime I read, I'm like, what am I doing? Like this, this right here. And I have to remind myself, this went through a process. This went through, you know, years of work. And I'm just, I, even I have to remind myself of that because I, I, I read stuff and I'm like, "Mm, what am I doing? I'm just going to go, go to work, you know, but okay. I get it. You know, I'll, I got, you know, Oh, you know, I haven't listened to the Gaslight Anthem in a while. I'm going to throw them on. I start listening to them, and I'm like, why do I even, like, I'm never going to be able to pull that off. I don't have that depth yeah. in my lyrics. I don't yeah. have that ability on the guitar. Like, why Why am I even wasting my time? I mean, there are honestly, this is no exaggeration, there are many times a year 
where I look at selling the majority of my musical equipment just because I'm like, why do I have it? Why am I wasting the yep. space? I'm never going to do any of these things that I want to do with it. So just, you know, never going to be Ryan Adams. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm too old. I'm too, you know, I don't have anything worthwhile to really say to people. Too old is too old as me. Uh, it it gets me sometimes. I'm like, I, I know where I wanted to be when I was 30, and that was that was a decade ago. And yeah. what am I doing still? You know, it, yep. it, too old. Too old gets me. Yep. And then with distilling, I mean, I'm in northwestern Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. What uh, What do we come? Where, where's our voice in the distilling world? Yeah. You know, I'm not from Tennessee or Kentucky. I don't know how to make whiskey. I've never made a drop of whiskey in my life. Yep. You know, and I have people that come into this the distillery and they're like, oh, so what do you got for whiskey? Well, I don't do whiskey. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I thought this was a distillery. And yeah. It's like, we are. We just don't do the mainstream. Sorry. Like, and yeah. that, every time customers kind of like look down on us a little bit more because of that, it's like, oh, should I really be doing this? Yeah. Maybe I should have spent a few more years looking at whiskey and trying whiskey before I went and, you know, tried to tr- tell people that, hey, you know, rum is not just rum. Like, rum is more than Captain Morgan. Yeah. Like, there is, there's nuances. There's quality that can be brought out in rum that, you know, you're not getting from commercial stuff. Yeah. But, you know. So the whiskey, pro- the whiskey talk comes back, and it's just like, yeah, I'm not even really a real distiller because I'm focused on what other people consider well alcohol. Yeah, and that that's the thing. I think a lot of times, uh, the way that one of the things, the reason that I I I want to have this conversation is because I think non artists don't always grasp the the way that their their words um, affect because. It, it doesn't take anything but, you know, somebody asking you a question like that and you're like, oh, well, you know, and you explain and then their their response alone is enough to make you stop and question it, whether it's a valid, whether it's valid or not. And I think I think that there's a lot of people that don't understand that that is that is diminishing to yeah. to an artist. It, it, it shrinks you and it makes it harder it, it does make it a lot harder. So, so is there anything you do when you, when it, when imposter syndrome hits you? Well, I mean, for some of it, not really, uh, just no. push through it. Just keep yeah. trucking. Like, but with the distilling, so I do, this is you know, dirty little secret here in my office at the distillery next to a whole bunch of really good bottles of rum that I have from some other craft distilleries that I really, you know, look up to. Yeah. I do have a bottle of Kraken and I have a bottle of Blackheart. Yeah. Which are two really bad rums that yeah. are hugely commercially successful. Yeah. And with the distillery, people will talk down to me about the rum or they'll, you know, not even necessarily mean to talk down to me about it. They don't realize yeah, they what don't. they're doing. Yeah. Like they don't have, they don't grasp that. Um, but yeah, a lot of times I'll just go back and I'll just pour, you know, a quarter of a shot of one of those rums and take a sip and go, yeah, my rum blows this it out of the water. It's better than this. Yep. Like, yeah, I'm doing this because I'm making something quality. Yep. In a world full of garbage 
Yeah. You know, there are some people who are really enjoying finding somebody who's making quality. It may only yep. be one person every year, but there's that one person that's looking that, forward to what I'm doing. And that's and enough. That's to enough. me, that's enough. That's all it takes. Yeah. I think a yeah. lot of us, a lot of people who are creators who, you know, have that creative gene, it doesn't take much for, you know, for the ego boost. Yeah. Uh, but it does take validation because without it validation, validation. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But it, I mean, just simple little things. Just, you know, I'll go back to remembering, you know, one guy who drank my naval strength rum. The only reason he grabbed it was because he was in the Navy and it yeah. had naval strength on it. And he didn't know anything about that term. He didn't know anything. He just saw yeah. it and thought it was cool and then sent me a message two weeks later that him and, you know, a few of his friends sat around and drank that entire bottle one night. Yeah. Just reminiscing about, you know, boot camp and going through different situations together. And, you know, it was just really nice for them to sit back and drink and be able to talk. Yeah. And it's like that meant something like that. I go back to that and I remember that. And I'm like, yes, I am doing something worthwhile. Yeah, and especially when somebody actually reaches out and says, this thing made an impact on me, because people don't normally do that. People no. don't, like, passively just, I'm going to let everybody know I enjoyed something. It it usually takes something special that really got them to say, I need to tell somebody that this was really good. So, to me, that always that always means quite a bit when somebody, you know, even even just acknowledges it, because yeah. it, it means a lot. Um. Okay, so what what's something that when you when you're looking around at all these things and you see other people like when you're you're talking about other people who are farther along or been doing this longer than you, what's something that you wish in any one of those uh, fields? What is something that you wish people talked more about? Um. Well, I mean, with the coffee roasting. One of the things I thought was, or not thought, one of the things I wish was more of a conversation is uh, sourcing of beans. Mm -hmm. And I wish people talked more about where beans were coming from and how that affects areas, um, especially because, you know, most people don't even realize, you know, a coffee bean is a coffee bean. Maxwell House, Folgers, whatever, you know, it's coffee. And that's most people's approach to coffee. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I wish people just openly knew more about what was going on behind that bean and how, you know, a lot of the bigger brands, they're buying these Brazilian beans. The reason why Brazil is so popular is because there's so much coffee and they can get it for, you know, under a dollar a pound because they're utilizing slave labor. Yeah. And when I was starting to roast coffee, Brazil was cheap, so it was good to buy because if I burnt it or I messed it up, I wasn't out a whole lot of money. Yeah. But that was because I was, even at that point, at that stage, I was unaware of the slave trade behind, still going on behind coffee. And it's one of those things where I wish people talked about it more, especially yeah. within, within other roasters and everything. But I feel like a lot of roasters just kind of like brush over it because... Well, they don't want to know the beans cheap. Yeah, it makes them cheap and we can afford to screw up a couple times yeah. without breaking the bank. And we just need to turn a blind eye to it. Yeah. 
acknowledge it when somebody brings it up and say, I know that is absolutely terrible. But in the meantime, they keep their shelves packed with Ethiopian coffee beans and Brazilian coffee beans. Yeah. You know, where we switched over all of our blends, our main stuff is from Sumatra. It's in yeah. Indonesia. You yeah. know, it's co-op, you know, there's things you can do to be sustainable. Yeah. But people coming into the coffee world new, come, especially in the roasting world, we have no idea that that's in the underbelly of it all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a good I mean, answer. That's a good answer. I like that. There's something, it's something that the, the point of that question is to try to get, you know, information that people don't know about your field for anybody interested. So that, that's good. That's good. Um, what about in, uh, distilling, distilling or music or, I mean, well, you don't have to have something for those, but. Oh, no, but I mean, there is stuff for everything. I mean, that's, that's, you know, music. The biggest one is when you're younger and you're getting into it, like the goal is to always kind of mimic, you know, the musicians that you look up to mimic the, your heroes and everything. And then that ends up, you know, I don't know, it puts a lot of unnecessary pressure on somebody who's just learning how to do things Yeah, and trying it really hinders finding your own voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it's just one of those things that that's just the commonplace. That's the way to do it. And then you end up with, you know, I was a manager at a coffee shop before we owned one and we had an open mic night where there was a lot of, there was a large middle and high school crowd. Yeah. And a lot of those kids stopped playing music after a while because they couldn't, they couldn't create mu- create the song to sound like their idol. Yeah. Uh, my voice just isn't good enough. I'm just not good enough on guitar and I'm not getting it. So I'm done. Yeah, I I talk a lot about um, the when you, when you're first starting out with writing or music or something. There's always the "fake it till you make it" phrase, and I I think that is to somebody really really wanting to. I think that that can be detrimental yeah. because if if you're trying to fake it, what are you trying to fake? You're trying to fake it to be somebody that you look up to, and when you're not confident enough to you know it all requires you to find your own voice and if you're you're faking it you're i think you're hobbling yourself you're you're kicking your feet out from underneath of you and um i i think that needs to be a more realistic you know not 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 tell you you know you're you're never going to be that but you know it's going to take work it's going to take failure it's going to take people telling you no and you have to be able to take that criticism and i i think that I, I think that there's a lot of crossover between, you know, uh, writing and mu- songwriting and things like that. I think there's a lot of crossover. So, Oh, yeah. Um, and the whole, you know, I don't know. I, I do like actually, I, I, this may be the wrong approach, but I have told people before, especially some of these kids who are, you know, they stop showing up to the open mic and then we'd see them and be like, hey, what's going on? You haven't been in? Oh, I just quit. You know, and they tell yeah. us the whole thing. And I, I mean, I've told a couple people like, oh, well, you're never going to be Ed Sheeran. Yeah. You're never going to be there because you're yeah. not him. Yeah. You're you. Why experiences. You yep. And like, experiences inform our art. And we have to be able to look at that instead of other people's. Yeah. And it's, you know, you can, you can sound just you. I'm sure if you practiced and got good enough, you could sound just like him. Yep. But then why would anybody listen to you? They could just go listen to Ed Sheeran. He's already famous. Yep. Like you, 
we need to be okay with telling people it's okay to suck at first. Yeah, because that's how you find your voice. Yeah, but you're gonna find your own situation and your niche in this, and you're gonna go your way with that, and you're gonna be a lot happier in the end than I wasted, you know, four years of my life trying to, you know, mimic this music, and it's not even really what I enjoy anymore. It's not a part of who I am. No, because you grow, and you're stuck trying to still do the thing, and that's not even where your heart's at anymore so yeah okay uh distilling distilling we um, wish people talk about more i'm i'm super like into this distilling thing because i i didn't i mean i i know the word and i understand the concept but it, it's it is just intriguing it is it is definitely fascinating um but yeah That's a hard one. It's a hard one because it's like, what do I wish? There's so much out there. It's almost like nobody, I wish people would stop talking about distilling sometimes. Because then we end up with a lot of, we end up with a lot of people saying the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And again, we end up getting into this muddled, like when you have an entire community all repeating the same little tidbit of information. Yeah. That's all the information you have. Yeah. Like people need to, you know, I don't know. It's an experiment. Yeah. 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 It seems like one of those things that the, the more out of the lines you color, the more you discover to me. That's what it, that's what it seems. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot more than what, you know, there's a lot more than what the TV shows show. We all yeah. know that that TV show is about 95% fake and 5% some real situations. Yeah. But, you know, when pe- when that's what everybody talks about and that's what everybody knows is moonshine, moonshine, moonshine. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but there's a whole nother side of it as well. There's a What else is there? Side of it. Yeah. Like yeah. There, there's taking fresh hibiscus and putting it through your still. You know, and creating a whole nother flavor that you've never tasted before. There, yeah. There's, you know, learning how to balance things in, in cocktail making. Like, your alcohol, like, yeah, you distilled this, but its journey isn't over yet. Yeah. There's so much more that it can do. And when you start matching it up with other things, it just becomes even better. Yeah. That's cool. Distilling is distilling is an amazing thing. Yeah, we a have a lot of we have a. We have a honey farm, uh, not too far from here. They uh, they have a lot of their honeys in stores, but we took a tour about two years ago of the of the whole farm and the you know their whole like process. And they do so much stuff with honey. They have they do wines, they make soaps, they make they, there's so much stuff in their store, and you get to walk through and see how they do like just honey it's just honey but they do so much stuff with it it's it's insane and to me the i always think about stuff like that like when i was reading about distilling you know trying to get prepared so i didn't wasn't totally stupid um stuff like that it it always makes me think who were these people that sat down and said we're gonna try this thing we're gonna do this thing and you know there's always steps that had to you know culturally 
you know, come from going, here's just honey to, we made wine out of this. We made this out of this, like the same thing with distilling, you know, that somebody sat down and said, we're going to try this process. And then people grew that over time. Yeah. So the, the more you stay, you know, inside the lines, the less that can grow and more things can be discovered. So cool. A perfect example of that is we have a, a product that I've been, that we've been working on and developing and, uh, it is we call it the tart spirit it's spelled uh t-a-r-t-e more uh -huh. like the savory tart like an onion tart and it yeah. is a fermented garlic liquor yeah we actually start with raw garlic we'll do we lacto ferment it for a couple of weeks and then we turn it into a mash we ferment that and we distill it out when we distill it we distill it through fresh basil and peppercorns and create this really savory alcohol it's really cool to cook with, really good in the Bloody Mary. But when we were doing it, everything that we do, because we are, you know, we're commercial, like we're a legal setup, we have yeah. to get all of our recipes approved through the federal government. Yeah. They want to make sure that I'm not throwing anything in there that's, you know, going to kill somebody. Like I'm not trying to distill bitter almonds. So, you know, yeah. you distill bitter <laughs> almonds, you end up with, you know, arsenic through all, through everything and you're going to kill a person. I did not know that. Yeah. Bitter versus cool. sweet almonds. You got to know the difference. Otherwise, you're going to kill a bunch of people. <laughs> Learn that one. Not the hard I learned something new. Cool. But like. Not that cool that you could do that, but cool that I learned yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so we sent this recipe in and they actually, it took us a little while to get it approved because we had to go back and forth with them because this was something new yeah. for, for them. And, I, and I've always been under the assumption, you know, the, the quote is every story that will ever be told has already been written. Yeah. Yeah. I've always gone over that with everything. Like I'm not going to do anything new in coffee that hasn't already been done. Yeah. I'm not going to do anything new in distilling that hasn't already been done. Apparently I'm wrong. And somebody was like, what is this? Yeah. yeah. Explain this process to me. How are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Yeah. This sounds absolutely horrendous. And then we but start talking about it and they're like, actually it sounds better and better when you actually explain it. And I'm not just reading. We're going to distill a lot of garlic. But that's got to be motivating when somebody actually, you know, you have that, that, you know, I'm not going to find anything new mentality because it's a protective mechanism as a yeah. creator. And then when somebody's like, what is this? That's got to be motivating. It's got to be like, holy crap. Well, it's motivating, but at the same time, it's also like, am I doing something wrong? Yeah. Like, so imposter that, syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe I just filled that form out wrong. What I'm doing is actually completely normal, and they've seen this a million times over. I mean, that's probably what it is. Yeah. Is that they just filled the form out incorrect. Yeah. And then when they come back and they're like, no, everything's filled out 100% right. We just don't know what you're doing. Yeah. It's like, okay, cool. And now yeah. we're doing one that's fermented tomatoes and bell peppers and onions distilled through a whole bunch of like thyme and rosemary and oregano and basil. And it smells like marinara sauce and it tastes like an Italian appetizer. It's absolutely this, wonderful. This is intriguing. This is this just like the science of it, the stuff, stuff like that just fascinates me. And I, you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, this is intriguing, but I have absolutely no time to figure this out. But yeah, From I don't need another really likes to collect hobbies. Yeah, I, I don't way. need another. I don't need another thing. No. <laughs> It's like, I love music. I appreciate music. I try to understand music, but I have, I don't have a single musical bone in my body, you know, but same thing. Like you can appreciate it without 
Yeah. That just sounds intriguing. Um, it's so much fun. Like I tell people all the time, I'm sorry if I sound like I'm bragging, but yeah, no, I have like one of the best careers in the world. Like yeah. I get to distill random crap and make really tasty drinks. So I think um, I kind of reworked the end of this after I'm still like trying to get find a groove here with these things. So um, a lot of times in our lives, we get unwarranted advice. Before I had asked, this question was more about, you know, what advice would you give to people in, you know, you know, to you when you were younger to other people. But I, I feel like we get a lot of unwarranted advice. And if, if you met a younger, you know, roaster, singer, songwriter, or distiller, what is some unasked for unwarranted advice that you would feel was necessary for them to have whether they wanted it or not. What, what would be worth risking giving unwarranted advice for to give it to them? Because I, a lot of times we go, I don't, I don't care. I don't want to hear that. Stop t talking. But I think that there are situations where you could say, I know this is unwarranted, but you should know this. So I think it's a better question. It's a little bit harder question, but, but it's a really good question too. Like that's, that's a thinker. What, what would you what would you risk being an asshole for to tell somebody that you really thought they would need to know? You know, and I think I would have had a hard time hearing this. Yeah. At the beginning of everything that I've done, like the last thing I want to hear from people, but it's. You know, it's it's really something that, yeah, I would probably, I would tell somebody even if, you know, I knew I was going to come off as, you know, there is a better chance that you're going to fail than you're going to make it. Yeah. Which is all like the better reason to just say, fuck it yep. and do you. Yep. Because at least while you're failing, you failed as you. Cool. Not trying to copy some other sad shit. I like it. Yeah, that that I think I think mine is the mine is the fake it till you make it thing. That's always been my answer to that question. I wish I hadn't heard that from you know all the writing books that I read as a kid. You know how to write, how to do this, how to do that, how to you know they all say that. Books written by authors in the sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties. They all say that, and I I wish that was something somebody said to me don't don't do that don't pretend just do so yeah I, mean, I, I like that any hobby or anything you pick up yeah you're more than likely going to fail yep but i i feel like there's there's a there's a line there too where you only really fail when you absolutely stop yes like if you can you can trip you can fall you can you know all the things are going to happen you're going to you're going to feel like shit about it a lot but you only really fail when you stop trying yeah our, then coffee, you leave. our coffee shop should have failed every single year yeah we've been open up until the last couple of years it should have just spectacularly failed yeah but we just kept pushing forward we just yep. kept you know okay well we'll stay open one more day we're gonna push this one more day 
it's not actually a failure until you stop doing it and just walk away from it. Yep. And even then, I think, I think sometimes like we can still be like, like if you were just, you know, if that were to happen and you were to still, you would still continue roasting even if you did have, so even at that, you're still, you're still doing that thing. And I, I think that the, the definition of fail is a, is a bar we set for ourselves. And I think we let other people tell us what that bar is a lot of the time. I think we let other people define that instead of moving the bar for ourselves. And I I think that that's something that we should, we should try to more make something. What do I define as a failure? Well, I'm just going to keep pushing that because I don't, I don't want to ever get to that point. So, all right. No, but something in that, uh, you know, I had, it's one of those moments, I had a thought, I had a thought, something there that you said triggered something, I was like, oh, this would be good to say, and now I've just completely lost it. Yeah, I have thoughts all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I can't, I can't keep them anywhere. (laughs) So, well, I think... Let me make sure I think I think that's it. Um, this is this has been this has been good. I'm really intrigued about this the distilling thing. I've actually kept the stuff I was reading up so I could read it later because I was going to try to you know when I when I put this out there for tomorrow morning I want to maybe put some extra stuff in there. I did mean to mention too. I don't think I mentioned it while we were talking. Uh, the QR code up in the corner now goes to Americans for the Arts. Um, yes. I believe it goes straight to their donation page. Um, so that is always, always a good cause. And when I put this on the podcast, it's going to be in the show notes on the audio version, the link for it. So it'll, it'll always be out there. So whenever it gets stumbled upon by anyone. So um, I'm going to do my close real quick and I'll be right back. All right. Thank you for uh, episode six. This kind of was a last minute uh, conversation, but I'm glad glad we have it. There was uh, some really good uh, moments. And uh, again, if anybody found anything of value in it, um, my QR code's up there, and I highly, highly recommend you go back. And if you really want to give something to anything, uh, go back and get the one for the uh, Americans for the Arts. Um, that helps a lot of people. Um, so if I think that's it, uh, thanks for coming again this week and anybody else that wants to have a conversation, you can find me on all of the things at all the places and I'm not really good at listing things like that. So I'm going to do the outro and I'll see y'all next week. Um, whatever it is that you do, keep at it.